Good morning, New City Church. How are we doing this morning? Everybody good? Good. What a glorious day. Yes, I'm buzzing. <laughs> I hear buzzing. That's cool. Bye, Pete. Everybody say bye, Pete. Uh, Pete and the Fire Breathers, I think is, a, is an appropriate name this morning. Holy smoke. Are you kidding? Wow. No. Bronco Crushers. Yes. I thought, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am not a good spiritual leader in my home. Obviously, my wife has a Broncos jersey, much less a Peyton Manning Broncos. <laughs> so go Chiefs, right? No, nah, it's all right. It's all right. I still love her. She's pretty and stuff, so it's all good. Um, guys, uh, guys, I think I've, I've met uh, met a couple of you. Got some visitors this morning. Welcome everybody. Um, couple of couple of uh, um, uh, amendments to the announcements. Uh, my bad. Uh, we had the stack of um, 90-day commitment cards, which we got uh, church-wide. I think we got over 100 of them uh, between the two campuses already of people that are committed for the, some, many for the first time to actually give a tithe, to have it take the tithe challenge and start tithing 10%, which is a tithe, obviously, um, to the church, which is, uh, for some of us, is a, an incredible step. Uh, if you have not taken that commitment card yet uh don't worry we'll have some again next week but if you want to go ahead and commit and tithing that's totally cool too you don't have to tithe first or have to put down the to connect the the card first to, to tithe or anything like that second thing is i've had several people comment that they are interested in getting baptized want to know more about baptism want to know more about what it means we are actually going to have a baptism sunday next week so if you're interested in being baptized, want to know more about baptism, put baptism on your connect card. Anybody fill up, hold up those connect cards real quick if you got them in front of you. Yep, you got some back there. Who got them? Uh, you ain't got no in front. You're, uh, yep, anybody got those? Fill out that. Put your name, your information on there, Social Security. I'm just kidding. Bank routing. No, just kidding. <coughs> put that on there. Get the uh, baptism, uh, you know, just write baptism, and, and we will contact you and, and talk to you a little bit about what it means to be baptized and what our stance is on that. Uh, also, you know, we've got, we do cover that in City Walk, which we'll have the first week of October, which I think is October or uh, November 6th, I believe, uh, which is that Friday, the first Friday of that, that week, of that month. So getting all tongue-tied and twisted. Let me get some more coffee, and we will get started with the message. This message is a, a, a different message than I normally give. It's, it is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, but we are going to go through, continuing going through the story. We are in, believe it or not, chapter 16, which is the halfway point of the series. And we're going to be taking a, a little bit of a break for the first, I like, like through Christmas, we're going to do, some, do some, some different things. The first month of uh, next year, we're going to do some things. So we'll take a break in the story, pick it back up probably first part of February. But, but don't forget that to get, we want you to get the story and read the story. Keep up with where we are in the story. We are learning up here what they're learning in Kid City, and it's a great opportunity for kids, parents, uh, siblings to get together and, 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 and discuss these things, man. So we want you to he- get the story, read it, come hear the messages on Sunday morning, join a story group, 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights right now. We may change that again, but, but again, right now, 7 o'clock on Tuesday, if you want to get into the mind of the brilliant, brilliant Pete Kerwin, the fire breather, right? <laughs> He's like, stop it. Everybody knows you are. They know you're hard anyway. Uh, man, he's, he's facilitating that right now. Join the story group on Tuesday, 7 o'clock. You can sign up online too. 
if you like, go to newcitychurch.com. You can find all kinds of things, like uh, all kinds of great things on there, too. Find our blog that we've been asking people to, to read, like what, what, uh, what Matt had talked about, too. We want you to take this stuff, discuss it with family, share it with other people. Man, we've got a great opportunity for us to be learning like crazy what the Bible actually has to say. And when people come in the trunk or treat, by the way, I've got heard some great ideas about the trunk or treat uh, stuff going on. Uh, I think uh, Ward said he's going to win the <laughs> prize, if I'm not mistaken. He's in Kid City right now. I can't defend himself. So, oh, 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 I'm sorry, Ward. Yeah, there you are. There you, are. you said you're going to Kid City, man. You're not supposed to lie in church, dog. I'm just <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Audra's like, where? Are, why are you up here? Huh? No, okay. that's cool, man. But you know, we are going through this this thing this thing called the story, and it is an abridged version of the Bible. It does not replace the Bible. We believe the Bible to be the inspired, inerrant Word of God. All God's people said. And we go through, we started off going through creation and with the fall of man and, and how we sinned and actually created this whole sick state that the world is in right now. And we went through the flood and went through Noah, went through all that stuff, went through uh, Abraham, where God called Abraham to, he said, out of you I will create a, a, a many nations as numerous as, a sand on, as stars in the sky, sand on the seashore. He had a guy, he, he gave offspring to a guy named Isaac, who gave offspring to a guy named Jacob, who became, who gave offspring to 12 guys, he was busy, and he had, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those guys was a guy named Joseph, who his brothers didn't like him very much, sold him into slavery. He goes into Egypt, and and after quite, you know, after a period of time of him going through some trials and troubles and tribulations, becomes actually very prominent in the Egyptian land, is able to profess dreams and able to predict what's going to happen to the pharaoh and pharaoh's like dude i need to put you in charge so he does and in and in egypt at that time there was a period of seven years of plenty and rain and a period seven years of of drought and during that seven years he he was able to manage how to stock stockpile all the food in egypt and his brothers came and and they they, you know because they were still in israel right they were they're still like stuck outside of egypt they came looking for food. He, he saw them, brought them into Egypt. So all the 12 tribes started growing in Egypt. And then after a while, Joseph dies. The first generation dies. There's a new pharaoh. He starts treating the, the Israelites really, really poorly. God calls a guy named Moses and said, I want you to take my people out of Egypt. And so we were talking about the exodus out of Egypt. And I want you to go to the promised land. And they do that. And then there's a period of time where there's this the, the, the people of God start, you know, basically rebelling against God and they sin against God and they repent of, uh, repent of their sins and then they basically repeat the process. It almost sounds like the instructions of a, of, that you'd find on the tag of your clothes. You know, rebel, repeat, rebel, repent, and repeat. You know, it's just kind of one of those, one of those things. And so God brings up people named, that are judges to actually bring people to a, to, uh, to an understanding that God is, God is God and we need to repent of those things. And, and then the people reject the judges and they start, they want a, want a king. And they say, give us a king, God. And so God says, well, all right. He gives a guy named Samuel who starts off to be a, a pretty decent guy, but then kind of goes crazy, starts killing who God appoints next. Uh, God wants to kill the, a guy named David. And, it, and David is, uh, is, a, is a man after God's own heart and he eventually becomes king. And writes psalms and does all kinds of great things. And he does sin in one area with, this, with respect to Uriah 
the head the Hittites. So, but he gives a, gives gives his offspring named Solomon, who is the wisest and most. I mean, the 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 guy that you would think, man, he has it all together and has so many riches and so much wisdom. And at the end of his reign, he even falls against what God wants and starts worshiping other gods. And, and all, these la- all these women that he married started pulling him away to worship other gods. And as a result, God said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. Not from you, but from your, your sons. And he does that. And he gives birth and, and, and the kingdom gets torn apart. And, you know, we got Rehoboam and Jeroboam, what we talked about, the two kings from the north and the south, Judah and Israel, that they were, that they were you know, the kings of those. And so the kingdom gets split. And God raises up prophets during this time to come and warn, not to condemn his people, but to warn his people, like, look, guys, if you do this, and he does this over a period of 500 years. I mean, some people think, man, God of the Old Testament is a, kind of a messed up, jacked up, mean God, right? But he's patient with us, Amen. I mean, we're a country that's not even 250 years old. We're not even half that old. And over a period of 500 years, God sends prophet after prophet after prophet, which brings us to where we are now. Last week, I I challenged us (coughs) to have a quiet time. And I need to to reflect a little bit and kind of make sure I clarify one thing. Because I get up really, really early to have my quiet time. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to. You don't have to do anything to copy any way that I do it. But what I want to challenge us to do is to hear from God, be in his word daily. Amen? See, what we're finding out in, in chapter 16, what we call the beginning of the end of Israel, is that Israel and Judah have become extremely hostile. Hostile, if you know the parts of the country toward God. And by the way, you can get on your app and you can fill this stuff out and you can actually send the bulletin insert to yourself on the app there. You can look on the Edgerton Notes button. Judah and Israel have become extremely hostile toward God. And listen to what seven, uh, 2 Kings 17, 11, uh, 11 through 20, and, and in the story, page 220, says, they did wicked things that aroused the Lord's anger. By the way, we're going to go through a whole lot of scripture today, just FYI. It's all good, though. We can handle it. They did, a, they did wicked things that, that aroused the Lord's anger. They worshipped idols, though the Lord had said, you shall not do this. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers, turn from your evil ways, observe my commands and decrees, in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey, and that I have delivered you to you, to you through my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen, and they were stiff-necked as their ancestors, who did not trust in the Lord their God. <coughs> Excuse me. They rejected his decrees and the covenant they had made with their ancestors and the statutes he had warned them to keep. They imitated, they, they followed worthless idols and themselves became worth, worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do. They forsook all the commands of the Lord their God had made and made for themselves two idols cast in the shape of calves and and an Asherah pole. They bowed down to all the starry hosts and they worshipped Baal. They sacrificed their sons and daughters. Listen to this, this is crazy. They sacrificed their sons and daughters in the the fire. They practiced divination and, and sought omens and sold themselves to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from where? His presence. 
We're in trouble, guys, if God ever does this. I'll show you how in a sec. Only the tribe of Judah was left, and even Judah did not keep the commands of the Lord their God. They followed the practices Israel had introduced. Therefore, the Lord rejected all the people of Israel. He afflicted them and gave them into the hands of plunderers until he thrust them from his presence. It is during this time that Israel is exiled to a country that, frankly, people were like, Assyria? There's no, no, I mean, Assyria can't even harm a fly, but Assyria got like the Israelites exiled to their land and they were oppressed greatly in that time. It is around this time also that the prophet Isaiah comes to the scene. This is around in the 700s BC, probably 750 BC or so. <coughs> Isaiah definitely prophecies against the kingdom. And I and I I don't know if you guys have had a chance to read much of Isaiah. Isaiah is one of those one of those Old Testament prophet books, major prophet books that is just like like from the beginning to end is gripping. I mean, he definitely prophecies against the kingdom of Isaiah. Isaiah 3, uh, verses 1 through 9 says, Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support all supplies of food and all supplies of water, the hero and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of the 50, the man of rank, the counselor, the skilled craftsman, and clever enchanter will be removed, is what God is talking about. Jerusalem staggers. Judah is falling. Their words and their deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. The look on their faces testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them. They have brought disaster upon themselves. And you're like, you guys said this was a happy place to go to church, right? It is, man. It is. Because this sounds like, like disaster. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this disaster even further by what the word actually says. Second uh, Kings 6, 26 through 30. Because God has definitely removed himself from his, his presence from the people. And there's what it says in Second Kings. Starting in verse 26, it says, As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, Help me, my lord, the king. The king replied, If the Lord doesn't help you, where can I get help from you? I mean, basically, everybody's like, Look, God's gone. From the threshing floor, from the wine press, then he asked her, What's the matter? She answered, This woman said to me, Give up your son so we may eat him today. And tomorrow we'll eat my son. Wow. So we cooked my son and ate him the next day i said to her give up your son so we may eat him but but she had hidden him when the king heard the woman's words he he tore his robes as he went along the wall the people looked and they saw that under his robes he had sackcloth on his body this is a <coughs> just a glimpse of the the kind of devastation that we can i'm going to move this right here kind of devastation that we can expect when God removes his presence from a people, amen? And that's a hard thing to hit for, for us to hear because I know that the temptation for us is to go, let's make everybody comfortable, let's make everybody feel good, let's make every. but man, here's what God says, and this is where we are in the, in the scriptures, this is what happened. And if you read the book of Isaiah, man, there's some really rough stuff that goes on, but toward the end of the book, there seems to be this glimmer of hope, and I, and I, and I want to express this glimmer in, in some just miraculous things that, 
that start to happen in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is an incredible, incredible, incredible book, letter, whatever you want to call it, that the prophet wrote. But look what he says in 45, verse 9 through 13. He says, Woe to those who quarrel with their maker, those who are nothing but potsherds. So uh, among the potsherds on the ground, does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say the potter has no hands? Woe to the one who says to a father that you have, what have you begotten? Or to a mother, what have you brought to birth? This is what the Lord says to the Holy One of Israel and its maker concerning things to come. The future. Listen to this. This is where this gets crazy. Do you question me about my children? Or give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who, what? Made. Made the earth. And created mankind on it. My own hand stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. I will raise up. What does that say? Cyrus. In your bulletins, if you are doing the hard copy, the non electronic type. I want you to circle Cyrus. <coughs> I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I told you before, when was this book written? In the 700s BC. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free. But not for a price or reward, says the the Lord Almighty. This Cyrus that was written about in 750 B.C., a specific person that God said will be risen, a specific name. Guys, you compare these kinds of things to like guys like Nostradamus, man, who's wrong 92% of the time, and when he's right, it's a very vague, you got to kind of twist things to make it work, that kind of thing. You think about all the, the so-called prophecies of Muhammad, man, that when, I mean, that, that don't even come true, that don't, that, that don't even make any sense, that are written 400 years after he's dead. I mean, all these kinds of things. And here's a guy who writes down a guy named Cyrus who will come and about 150 years later he shows up that's impossible that's impossible and he leads the Israelites back to God 150 years it was predicted a specific guy will do a specific thing do we understand what what, what is happening here one verse can just like flip you out Cyrus is eventually mentioned over 30 times in Scripture, later in 2 Chronicles and in Ezra and in Daniel. The Jewish historian Josephus, which you ever read some of his stuff, it's like, man, he even talks about Jesus. He even says that Cyrus was, was informed about the biblical prophecies written about him when he, in, his antu- in his antiquities of the Jews. This was most likely done by Daniel himself. <coughs> met a guy this week. And I apologize for coughing. I've been, you know, dealt with allergies a couple weeks ago and everything. You ever get the, one of those lingering coughs that, that just won't go away, you know? It's not contagious, don't worry, but it's just driving me crazy. Excuse me if it drives you guys crazy. 
But I'm sitting there. We had a, a conference that we went to, an all-day conference about fostering and adoption and things like that. And we're going to be really focusing quite a bit on that as a church over the next eight months. But it's one of those times where you know God had this appointment because I, I, the, the conference was over at 3 and I needed to make an appointment nearby there. The guy couldn't get there to like 5, 5.30. I'm like, man, i got to sit around for two and a half hours. So I found this place over in Westport. And I go in there, and I just sit down, and I start working on the computer, and, and, I, and, I, and I've been, been this, this message had already been completed. This was Thursday afternoon. And a guy walks in there, and his name is Jeff, and, he, you know, and, and I'm in there by myself. Well, he walks in, hey, what's going on, you know, pours himself some Jameson, that kind of thing. Okay, whatever, you know. And, and so he's, he's sitting there talking, and then another guy walks in, and he says, hey, man, Richard Dawkins is, is in town tonight. I got tickets. Now, if you don't know who Richard Dawkins is, Richard Dawkins is like the premier atheist expert that, that people, and he's, at a, he's a, actually speaking at the Unity Church in Westport. And I'm like, my ears are like perking up going, wow, okay. So, so you're, you're kind of a Dawkins fan. And he goes, yeah, man, yeah, he's awesome, right? Start talking to this cat, right? His name is, name is Jeff. And by the way, me and Jeff are friends now. Just want to keep that in mind. But I'm sitting there talking to this guy. And Jeff grew up in a Christian school he grew up uh knowing the scriptures he grew up reading scriptures having to read not getting to read but having to read the scriptures over and over and he said you know what i had questions growing up i'm 30 years old now i had questions growing up as a as a and and, and legitimate questions like how did this happen you know what they told me have more faith pray more read more that's what they told me and then a dawkins comes by who's my hero and he explains things to me scientifically who do you think i'm going to believe and i said man you're right you're right dude you're right i i agree and on behalf of christians who have just simply dialed in this whole religion this whole faith thing who have just simply dialed this in i apologize on behalf of all christians sometimes we christians are worse for our own faith and our own causes than atheists and agnostics and those who are anti-faith amen but here's the thing do you mind if I tell you my story? He goes, no. No, man, I'd love to. Love to hear it. I said, I love talking to people. Really, really great guy. Atheist. Great guy. So I'm talking to the guy. I said, here's what happened to me. I, I was like you, and I explained to him that, that, you know, I questioned my faith too. I questioned what, how we know this to be true, how we know this, these things have happened. How is it possible that I'm sitting or going to church on every Sunday morning? Some of you know this and heard this before, but probably 15 years ago, something like that. Man, I went through like a two-year cocoon. Basically, I put myself in a cocoon. And I said, I'm not going to dive in. I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to do any of the stuff until I get some questions answered. And I went on a two-year study, and I studied all kinds of different religions, even like Islam and Buddhism and Confucianism, whatever, Taoism, all this kind. I even looked at stuff like Phelan Gong, which is like some kind of a God-in-your-navel type of thing. I, mean, I, was, I was looking at all kinds of stuff that was just everywhere. I, I studied religion after religion, and I wasn't even trying to find out what the religions believed because I did not care. I didn't care what Christians believe. I didn't care what Muslims believe. I didn't care what is. I didn't care any of it. What I wanted to know, was there any evidence of God? Any at all. Is there any of it anywhere? 
And I looked at Islam, zip. I looked at Confucianism, zip. Taoism, zip. Mormonism, none. Over and over and over. And I looked at the scriptures and I was blown, blown away by the amount of evidence that what we have for the scriptures is something we can count on. It's something we can rely on. And when we're reading the scriptures, we can understand that it is not, I'm going to read the word of God today, but we get to read the word of God. We get to. Because he started, Jeff started telling me, well, we don't have the originals. I said, dude, but guess what? We've got something better than the originals. Do you not understand? We have 25,000 different New Testament fragments, ancient New Testament fragments from, from different decades, different centuries scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And you know what, 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 the, what the incredible thing about that is? You can comprise those and make 5,000, over 5,000 New Testaments complete. And they all say the same thing throughout the entire Roman Empire. Like 99.8% exactly the same. And the differences are cultural nuances and misspelled words. Meaning that the intent and the meaning of every passage, of every scripture, of every fragment we've ever found across the, the Roman Empire is 100% accurate across the board. We have something better than the originals. Because if we had the originals, you'd be disputing whether or not the originals we're legit. Amen? Do you get this? We have prophecy after prophecy after prophecy like Cyrus coming true in 150 years. Over and over and over in the Old Testament that comes true in the New Testament. One of the reasons I came to know this crazy Jesus following thing, I mean the reason I even did it was because somebody sent me one time a uh, just, I mean, it was like a fluke that I even got it. Because I didn't even know this person. And I'm looking at this scripture and, and looking at the, the, this, the he says, hey, there's, there's, a, there's like a, a, there's a, there's a, a mathematical equation that you can, you can actually do. And there's, he, he looked at 17 prophecies coming true merely by one person by chance. Of the, and, and what happened was he said, there are things like that of the coming Messiah, the coming anointed one that's supposed to come. Things like his hands and feet would be pierced, as it says in Psalms. Like he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Like, like he would be born in Bethlehem. Like he, like he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Specific things that came true over and over and over. And, he, and I even remember the stupid number. He said the, the likelihood of 17 prophecies from where he would born, be born to how he would die. The likelihood of those things coming true is one chance in 480 billion, billion, trillion. In other words, the likelihood of someone by mere chance just fulfilling just 17 prophecies is one in 480 billion, billion, trillion. And I saw that infinitesimally small fraction and I just dropped to my knees and said I got to go tell everybody because that's just 17 prophecies the book of Isaiah alone has 120 prophecies and Jeff said you know what don't be surprised if I show up at your church He says, I don't believe what you believe yet. But don't be surprised. 
and we became friends. Not because I talked him into the thing, because I'm passionate about Jesus and I love him. And I wasn't trying to argue with him. I was just want to say, Jeff, please, man, dude, listen, I know what you've been told. I'm sorry for what the church has done to you. I'm sorry for what the religious people have done to you. And I'm not trashing the church or anything like that. Guys, I want us to be thinking about some of this stuff. Not trying to talk people into what we believe, but being the kind of people that love Jesus enough to be bold. Amen? Isaiah alone has over 120 prophecies. And I want to, there's a, there's a, you may have it in your bulletin, but there's a, a link you can actually go to and check out what it says. And I want to read just one chapter. And we'll finish with this, guys. Because I challenge you in your quiet time to have one. To actually be in the Word daily. To be looking at this, the Scriptures and not just because, well, I read my scriptures today. And well, you know, but man, this is like the revealed, inerrant, inspired, God-breathed scriptures that we get to read, not have to read. I want you to read. I want you to just listen to this passage. Read it along. And see if you can pick up, those who know some of the gospels, some of the, pick up how many just in this one chapter Guys, it is like reading out of the New Testament. It's one of the reasons that parts of Isaiah are called the fifth gospel because it happened 700 years prior to Jesus ever coming. And we will finish with this. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord revealed? He grew up before him like a, a tender shoot and like a, root on, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Fabio Jesus does not exist. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was, what's that word say? Pierced. Specific. For our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punish that brought us, punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Notice, remember, 
buried in a rich man's tomb. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Amen. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life. Happy Easter, everybody. And be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Father, We love you so very, very much. We sometimes are. May I just ask for forgiveness if we are looking at your word as something that is just a casual thing that we put on the library shelf and read when the pastor says we ought to read. Because what you have done in your word, man, about about the coming anointed one, your son, that you laid down over 300 prophecies and and characteristics of your coming son, and he fulfilled them all. God, it is impossible. Impossible. And we thank you for that. Because we don't want to worship you if you can only do the possible. We don't want to be worshiping just a smarter version of us. God, you are God and we are not. And we thank you for your word that you have laid out for us and preserved it miraculously over time and over distance and over language and over even the potential for copyists' errors. Lord, you protected all of it. And we can trust in your word as you reveal it to us, as we take the opportunity you have given us to be in it daily. And God, may we be the kind of people that you show favor to, as you said in the, in the very end of Isaiah that we've been in today, the kind of people that are humble, the kind of people that sub, are submissive, the kind of people that tremble at your word. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name. All of God's people said.